Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We're starting this uh, 21 day season of prayer and fasting. And please remember to, uh, to pick one of these up and, and take it with you when you leave. And, uh, you know, as we've talked about, I talked about last week, um, we're in this series, we began this series fasting, and last week I talked about how do I fast. So if you missed that message, uh, you can go back and podcast that or watch that online. And really the three points there were when we fast, we need to pray and ask the Lord what He wants us to do during the fast, how long He wants us to fast, those kinds of things. Then we need to prepare spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, and, uh, uh, and with the pantry too. Probably remove the stuff that's going to be tempting for us. And then the third point last week was to press through. Fasting is hard, and uh, uh, as I talked, as we've talked about before, fasting is not about just not eating and drinking water. It's about seeking the Lord, and uh, so. If you're part of Life Fellowship, I'm asking everyone to take some time and, and fast. I'm not asking anyone to fast for 21 days, but I think that we can all fast some. So, uh, and, and I encourage our, uh, uh, you know, to have our children fast with us. Uh, it's a good discipline. It was so cool this morning, uh, Pastor Christine said, look at little Tony. And he was over here worshiping with his hand lifted up. When we were singing, make room, I will make room for you. That, that's what it's all about. And so as we can instill worship and uh, fasting and prayer and things like that into our five-year-old children, I mean, you know, those are important because they're going to need those disciplines as they grow up and they get older because I don't think the world is getting any easier to live in. And so we need to prepare them for their, the coming days for them. So this morning is the topic is why do I fast? Last week is how do I fast, and this week is why do I fast? And we'll be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and Revelation 3, 15 through 17, and then 19 through 22. Um, the Lord has been speaking to our church family in 2019. The Lord gave us a word that we were in a reset, and... Uh, this was really, uh, I think, a word, a word not only for Life Fellowship, but for the world as, as well. And, uh, you know, this was before COVID really hit. And then in 2020, the Lord gave us another word. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. And I think we're seeing that. And I don't think we'll ever go back to the old normal. And uh, then this year in May of 21, the Lord gave us a word, prepare. And so when you look back and, and when I look back and see the, the significant words that the Lord has given to us the last three years, they've been instructive, but they've also been, um, uh, they've been informational, but they are also instructional. Let me say it that way. And so as we prepare for this year, um, a part of what we do when we prepare, when the Lord says prepare, is we pray. And there's an element of, uh, there's a, a different dynamic as we fast and pray. And I'll, I'll talk maybe more about that next week. 
But I have one point this morning, and it is fasting and prayer draws us closer to the Lord. And that is the goal. That's the goal whether we're fasting and praying or, or not. But people in America and across the world are suffering. And the media and the world system, they don't have the solutions to our problems. And um, I want to do, do something here, have a little bit of fun. How many of you are good at solving math problems? Okay. How many of you hate solving math problems? <laughs> That's okay. We're going to do this little, uh, we're going to have this math uh, problem, and, and everyone's going to pass, okay? You're all going to get 100, so you don't have to be nervous. And uh, do we have a slide? Okay, there we go. All right, so we're going to solve this problem here. Uh, what is the solution? Oh, well, we can't solve it because we don't know what, what the problem is, right? And so when we don't know what the problem is, how do we know what the solution is? And so, so solving the problem requires that we know what the problem is. So what are some of the problems that you, you're facing today? Now, there are some contributing factors that are common probably for all of us, COVID, uh, we can blame everything on COVID right now. Uh, COVID, inflation, maybe your work situation, maybe financial. Um, and I was thinking about what are some of our problems today. And I was wondering, why would someone even create a deadly virus to try to kill people? Uh, why do people innocent, uh, murder innocent people? We see situations where somebody will go in and rob a liquor store or something, and then they get the money, and then they shoot them anyway. Uh, why do people steal from others? And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about some of the contributing factors, but it's, it's not a COVID issue. It's not a racial issue. It's a sin issue. And uh, whenever, whenever there's an accident or something happens in one of the plants, uh, I know many of us have worked in the plants or work in the plants or that environment. If there's an accident, normally there's a, uh, um, an investigation done, and they'll look for the root cause analysis. What caused this to happen? Okay, well, we had an, an incident where maybe the, this product went into the wrong tank. Or created a problem. Well, let's begin to look at the problem here. What is it? Was it uh, human error? Did, did somebody open the wrong valve? Did somebody not line up the valves correctly? Or maybe it was a problem with the valve itself. That the, the equipment malfunctioned and allowed that to happen. Now, in most investigations that I've seen happen, that's not good enough. Okay, well, it was human error or it was a valve. No. We need to find out what was the root cause of that. Okay, we understand that something happened here, but we need to dig down a little bit deeper and find out what happened. Well, why, why was this uh, lined up incorrectly? Why was this product uh, pumped into the wrong tank? If it was a human error, well, how did that happen? Well, let's talk to the employee. Okay, well, maybe he was overwhelmed or uh, had too many things going on or didn't have enough help or wasn't trained properly, didn't know uh, the, the process, or maybe it was a valve issue. And maybe uh, this valve was taken out of service a year ago and put back into service, but they put the wrong internal parts in it. 
And maybe something, uh, maybe it was put into service where there was uh, a lot of heat and the gaskets or the internal parts in that valve were not designed for the temperature. And so whenever there's an incident or an accident, when somebody is hurt, when somebody is killed, when there's a, a, a problem with the, the product, there's usually an investigation. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about why do people create viruses to kill other people? Why do people steal, and why do people kill people? Well, the, the, the cause is sin. It's a sin issue. The problem is a sin issue that is a direct result of not having a relationship with the Lord. So we can see that the problem is sin, but it goes deeper than that. It goes back to this not having a relationship with the Lord. That's the root cause of the problem that's going on in the world today. If, if we really loved one another, we wouldn't be doing some of the things that we, that we see happening. We wouldn't see people killing innocent people, stealing from others. Because we would have this relationship with the Lord and we would have a love for one another I'm not saying that there wouldn't be problems and issues, because there, there would be, but maybe things would be a little bit different. It seems like there's a lack of respect for God, for the things of God, for people. I mean, we see it happening all the time where it's like there's no, you're not respecting your brother and sister. You're really not loving them. When Israel turned away from the Lord, things did not go well for them. They usually ended up being taken captive by their enemies. Turning away from the Lord leads to sin, and the results are moral decay, perversion, wickedness, things that have a very bad impact on people. And that's why the Lord says, these are the boundaries. Stay within these boundaries because it's good for you. When Israel was going into the promised land, Moses told them in Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20, Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. We make choices every day. The world around us, the people around us are making choices every day. He goes on to say, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Now he's talking to people that are alive. So he's talking about more than just physical breath and life. He's talking about living the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Deuteronomy 30, 20. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And this is the key to seeing society come back into some sense of normalcy that is not so crazy if we truly love God obeyed God, and committed to him, we wouldn't see a lot of the things happening that we see happening today. He said, this is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land he swore, the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the results of having a casual or distant relationship with the Lord are destructive in our lives. When we are not fully committed to him, and please hear me, I'm not talking about being religious or legalistic. We sang about it today. I will make room for you. Break down the walls of all my tradition. Break down these walls of religion that I would come into this personal, intimate relationship with you because religion and tradition 
those things are not necessarily bad, but they can hinder us from this authentic relationship with the Lord that he wants us to have. That's the purpose of those things. It should be to help us come into this intimate relationship with him. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus is speaking to seven churches, to the church in Laodicea. It's believed that that was a city of great wealth. And uh, Jesus is saying to the, to the churches there in Revelation, uh, let's look at Revelation chapter 3. I know all the things you do. He's talking to this specific church, this group of people, and he's saying, I know all the things you do. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. He goes on to say, but since you are lukewarm, you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. When I read these scriptures, I think about us living here in America. We have everything that we want. And, and that can be part of the problem where people say, well, I don't need God. I've got all my stuff. I have everything that I need. But Jesus is saying, you, you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now, clearly, they're not, they're not poor from a materialism standpoint. So that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about from a, steer, a spiritual standpoint, which is really more important. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand, that it's about this relationship with him. Now, let's skip down to verse 19, Revelation 3, 19. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. You know, I'm thankful that we have a God that loves us enough to bring correction and discipline to us. I grew up in a family where, where my parents loved me enough to discipline me. There was grace. And looking back, I can, I can see that maybe they were too gracious sometimes that I took advantage of that. But I, love, I, I appreciate the fact that I had parents that loved me enough to speak into my life and discipline me. And, and, and pastors and, and leaders, spiritual leaders that were able to speak into my life because they loved me. And so their investment has prepared me for where I am today and, and helped me through life. You know, I was thinking this morning, life is so weird Life is so weird. When I look back and see how my life has been orchestrated and some of the things that I've gone through and how I got here, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, to me, it's weird how, how God has led me or how my path, my path of life has ended, and ended up here or taken me to this place. And it's by God's grace that I'm standing here today. I know that. I know that God has protected me and watched over me when I was acting a fool. And, but, but, it, but he writes here, I, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So that's a good thing. When we are convicted by the Holy Spirit, when we're reading Scripture or when we're praying, our God will even use people to help, help us stay on path, stay on the right path. He doesn't. Uh, condemn us, but he will convict us because he loves us. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Verse 20, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. 
And those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand, listen and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is calling the church from complacency to intimacy with him. Let's go back to Revelation 3.19. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Jesus wants to bring correction to us for our own good. Be diligent. Be passionate for. Be energetic towards Jesus. Don't be lukewarm. Don't, you know, he's saying be hot or cold. I mean, if you're hot for me, that's good. If you're cold for me, well, let's warm you up a little bit. But don't be complacent. Don't be straddling the fence. Turn from your indifference. Turn from your your apathy, your laziness, your dullness. That's what this this Greek word uh, for indifference means. It means apathy, indifferent, lazy, dull. Notice that Jesus is not telling them to believe in him. They are already believers. He's saying, don't be complacent toward me in this relationship. They should already believe in him, right? He's telling them to stop being complacent. Love God. Obey God. Commit to God. Have an authentic, genuine relationship with him. Revelation 3.20, look, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on the hearts of people that are rejecting him. Let's not be those people. Let's open the door and say, come on in. Come all the way in. Don't just come into the foyer. Come into the kitchen area where we can dine together, where we can have a meal together where we can be authentic together. But some people are like, well, you can stay on the porch, Jesus, or you can stay on the sidewalk, or you can stay down the street. I'm good with that. Hey, how you doing, Jesus? Would you, uh, don't run over my trash can now when you leave. But, But what is Jesus saying? He's saying, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as Friends, that's amazing that the God of this universe would want to be friends with us, with me. Jesus desires to have a relationship with us, not only to have a relationship with us, but to be friends. Okay, 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, very difficult difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money now i think about the world today what do people love themselves and money for the love of money let's go to first uh, timothy chapter 6 verse 10 for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil of all kinds of evil many people disregard financial biblical truths and principles and end up suffering a lifetime of financial problems. 
This trap destroys families and lives and marriages. The, the number one cause of divorce is money. And this is not a, a, a stewardship message this morning, but we need to look at the root cause. We need to look at what the problems are. And the problem is that we're not following the teachings of Christ. We're not implementing the truth and the principles that, that are given to us. Many people uh, skip church because making money, or they think making money, is more important to them than their relationship with the Lord. However, their greater need is to be here. I mean, listen, you can make a couple of hundred dollars, and it, it goes away like that. Uh, or you can get these principles and truths from Christ, from the Word, and that will help us. Because I see uh, people... I've seen people miss out on church, and, and then maybe I see them, and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm really struggling with this, or, you know, I'm having an issue with that. I'll be like, well, I, we just talked about that last week. If you would have been at church, you would have maybe gotten some insight. And so these truths and these principles in the Word can help people get out of this destructive cycle that they're trying to escape from. Because, you know, money is really not the problem I, what I find is money is not really the problem. It's the stewardship or lack of stewardship of the money that we have. Because, again, you can get $100, you can get $100. That's not going to fix your problem. You have to look at the root cause, what's going on there. Let's look at 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth, the true faith, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So we see that. I mean, I know people that it's like they can't make enough money. They can never make enough money. And so are we satisfied with what we have? Yes, we need money. All of us need money. But more importantly, we need the Lord in our lives. Poor stewardship can lead to failed marriages, addictions, all kinds of issues. Uh, getting more money doesn't always solve the problem. Better handling of money we do have is usually the key. And I, I don't, you know, I know we're talking about prayer and fasting, but I think in this new year, this season, we need to set some goals for ourselves and say, how am I going to spend my money? How am I going to be a good steward, not just money, but my time, my talents, those things? Am I stewarding well what God has given me? Um, you know, you probably heard this, you can give a man a fish to feed him for a meal, or you can teach him how to fish and feed him for a lifetime. And so in our life groups, on Sunday morning, whenever we gather together, we're, we're attempting to help ourselves by teaching the Word of God, giving you truths and principles that, that will help us apply the Word of God to our life because it doesn't do any good to just have a Bible on the table and read some Scripture. The Word is there for us to ingest and to live and to apply to our daily life so that we can live the victorious life that Christ came to give. Let's go back to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Um, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful, proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Do we see any of that today? People loving only themselves and money. Uh, being boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. 
they will consider nothing sacred. I remember uh, a situation where a pastor was, came to me and he was asking me for advice and counsel because one of his elders and his elder's wife went around the church when no one was there and were having sex all over the church on the altar, on the prayer table. All, I mean, it was, it, it was uh, very disrespectful. And he came to me, and he was asking me, well, what should I do? And I said, well, first thing is I would set that person down, take them out of every area of responsibility, and uh, uh, they need to repent. And uh, I think that the church leadership needs to repent for this person and, and these acts, these ungodly acts that were happening, and, uh, and then try to restore them, try to restore them. And uh, the, the guy's wife was even going around the church bragging about it. I mean, that's how perverted it was. They, they had no understanding, I don't, I don't think, of, of considering what should be sacred. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a bad situation. And uh, the, the pastor didn't, didn't step him down. I don't think. There was restoration. I don't think there was ever even any repentance, and a church is not even in existence anymore. And it was it was a thriving, growing church that was impacting the community. And so, you know, they will consider nothing sacred. There, there's a line that we can cross with God, and uh, we don't want to. We don't want to do that. Second Timothy three three. They will be. Uh, they will be unloving and forgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will deny the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Jesus didn't have problems with the lost people. He had problems with the religious leaders, those trapped in religion and legalism. And so Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's saying, in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Without Christ, these scriptures could, and maybe did, maybe have in the past represented our lives. And so that's why we need to really be faithful and praying and that's why i'm encouraging all of us to fast and pray during this season there there are people's lives that are hanging in the balance and we never know what our prayers and our love and support can do to bring them into the kingdom to get them out of this vortex that they're getting sucked down into that they think, well, more money will fix it or more drugs or more alcohol or more sex or fill in the blank and that's not going to work. And so God is calling us to fast and pray. Pray for ourselves. Pray for our families. Pray for our children. Pray for our neighbors. Pray for our church family. Pray for the community. Pray for this country. Pray for believers all over the world that are suffering. When you look at, at as, 
you know, many problems as we have here in America, we're, we're very, very blessed and rich compared to most people. Even the poorest among us are rich compared to many people in the world. And, and yet, Jesus is writing to this church, and he says, you think you have it all, but you're wretched. You, you, you don't, you're naked. You don't have all the things that you think you have just because you have the material goods. You need the spiritual goods. You need the, this relationship with Christ. That's the most important thing because shoes will wear out. You'll spend $100. That'll be gone just like that. But this relationship and walking and the power and dominion and victory that God has allocated to us. I don't want to get to heaven and say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize what I could have done. I didn't realize the, the power and, and the authority and the anointing and, and the calling, the fullness of the calling that God had on my life because I was too focused on making the next $100 or whatever it may have been or too focused on myself. Having a personal relationship with Christ is vital for us to live this victorious life. Well, listen, the Lord has called each and every one of us. He's, giving us, he's given us a, a plan and a purpose for his life. And I don't want to see any of us miss one part of that. But it requires this relationship with him. It requires the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. It requires us to, to be in prayer. And there's a dynamic that happens when we say, I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to, to not eat. I'm, I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to get off social media. I'm going to spend some time focused on him. At the beginning of the year, is a great time to do that. It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Through fasting and prayer, the Holy Spirit reveals things to us that can help us. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will tell us of things to come. In 2019, the Lord said, we're in a reset. Prepare. 2020, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. Get prepared. Be ready. I'm telling you, I'm speaking to you, church. And then last year, prepare. Be ready. Be serious. Seek me. Know my heart so you'll know which direction to go and how to go and how to navigate the things that are coming down to us. Um, Avoid, you know, void of, of this relationship with Christ, we're left to our own devices. How many of us have crashed and crashed and crashed because we try to do it on our own rather than yielding to Him? The traps of religion and legalistic lifestyles are counterfeit of a personal relationship with Christ. Let me say that again. The traps of religious and legalistic lifestyles are counterfeit of a personal relationship with Christ. It's the authenticity of this relationship that matters. Fasting and prayer draws us closer to the Lord. Last week, we looked at Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, and then chapter 4, 1 through 11, where Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Fully God, fully man. But yet he understood walking as a man, that he needed the spiritual strength from the Lord that comes from this fasting and prayer. So this morning, my final question is, why should I fast? To grow closer to the Lord. 
to receive clarity in my life? I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe this morning God is speaking to your heart and he's drawing you back. This would be a perfect day to recommit your life to the Lord today. One, two, 22. And if that's you, would you slip up your hand, catch my eye. Anybody here, there's no shame in that. It's a great day. Maybe you're watching online and you would say, that's me. Just pray this simple prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I receive you today. I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And I receive it today. And this is a new start. This is a new beginning for me today. And I will never look back and I will never be the same because of the transformation that's beginning and taking place in my heart and in my life right now. And I thank you for this new day. I thank you for this new beginning. And I receive you in my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord God, I pray for the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit to wash over everyone that prayed that prayer. And that as they read the word, your word would come alive. As they spend time in prayer, they would hear your Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts. And their sensitivity to you would increase exponentially. And they would see your mighty hand at work in their lives. And so, Lord, we pray these prayers with great expectation. In Jesus' name.